Hey everybody, it's Kevin Ruta here with Digital Marketing Fastlane. Today I have a very special guest. Super excited to have Neil on here. We met up maybe a few months ago in the city for some drinks and some burgers. Super excited to have you in the podcast and really talk to you about something that I have a lot of experience in and you do as well. So for everybody listening, Neil is the CEO of Made This and also Made This Franchise. Correct me wrong, you're the first US-based cleaning franchise that specializes in both Airbnb cleanings and also residential cleanings. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, Kevin, awesome to be here. I know we've been around each other's circles for a while in the cleaning industry. Surprisingly, kind of a small industry when you get yeah. to know it. Yeah, I met you up a few months ago. And it's funny we're on the pod now. So cool to be here. And yeah, exactly like you said, man, it's uh, the first cleaning franchise focused on vacation rentals. We're completely remote business model. You know the drill better than almost anyone else in the cleaning industry about this market and how digital marketing is such a big, big deal. So I'm excited to dive into it. In one of the other words, the top players know who they are because you're kind of always looking at what they're doing, which is great. We've known each other and we always DM each other different tips and tactics. And I was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, as you sort of grow, one little thing isn't going to make your company collapse. Like, oh my God, the secret. That's what people think initially, right? Oh my God, if I tell them how I'm getting cleaners, my company's going to fail. I'm like, trust me, your company's going to fail, not because of that. It's <laughs> <laughs> number like 100 on the list. The thing about the cleaning industry is it's not like this is stealth mission of like, what do you do in like a VC startup? Like it's cleaning. It's been around for thousands of the years. If you have one tactic, that's not going to break or break your company. That's what I love about it too, right? It's a stable industry. It's been around forever. There's enough to be had. There's always cleaning. Let's talk a little bit about how you've been able to grow your company. Obviously you scaled it to seven figures. You're doing something that I've never done before too, which is the franchise model with digital marketing and local services. It's a lot of local marketing tactics. So what are some of the tactics that you learned? And obviously maybe give a little history about how you sort of transitioned from what, maybe what you were doing to this essentially local business owner, me and you, we're kind of like more digital marketers now that have mm-hmm. like a cleaning company. You're obviously run Void Media. I don't know if people knew your humble beginnings with <laughs> May Sailors, but for everyone listening, Kevin is a fantastic digital marketer and has that relates to local marketing I can dive into. But first of all, I just want to mention that I think local services is such a hidden gem for people who know digital marketing. I worked in venture capital for about four or five years. I started and made this on the side. It's kind of a side hustle on there. I was on Reddit, saw a post of a dude. You and I both know him. Yeah. And uh, off to the races from there, people started contacting me for vacation rental cleaning. So we started pivoting towards that. But what I found very early on is people in local services don't know what they're doing with marketing. I wanted to start some sort of business I could do remotely. And I didn't think that was cleaning. So I was trying to do all these things, which are quote unquote global e-commerce online marketing for other people, like a lot of things which you have massive scale, but you're also competing against the whole world. And once I dove into local services, one, I figured out you can do it remotely. That's the business model running now. And for the last five years before COVID, traveling just internationally while building this local business in Los Angeles. And number two, your competition sucks. <laughs> they don't know what to do with marketing. If most of them don't have a great service, most of them don't even pick up the phone. We've probably made mid six figures just from people on the phone literally saying i'm going with you guys because you picked up the phone that's the bar we're competing against so when you combine that aspect along with digital marketing i think it's huge and there's a lot of money to be had and i think people just don't think about it i don't want to be tied down to a city you don't need to anymore that's not the way the world works anymore that's old school local so yeah i think what you're saying you know it's so important because it's sort of the same mentality i had too people think that local means you have to be in that area and uh-uh. that's not true. That's just where your business operates in. Think about all the big Walmarts. Think about all the big stores like Macy's. Uh, of course, they have local stores, but the headquarters is probably somewhere out in a random place. And they still operate locally. 
because there's still a central hub where these guys like in suits, you know, are uh-huh. making decisions to local businesses. And that's sort of what you've been thinking about, obviously in a smaller scale. Local is just so easy. You're competing against people that want to have a local business, but have no clue what that actually means. And then they're actually in debt because they have to take up money and open up like a local bodega that has no clue what, how to run it. And yep. another thing that you probably hear in Neil too is like, oh my God, local, there's so much competition, right? But to be the best, that means you're going to be really good at marketing and also just be really good at a good website. And again, what you said, customer service. And the way I think about it too mm-hmm. is you're in a coffee shop, right? In New York City. There's hundreds of coffee shops in your city, but how come there's only like five really good ones, but they're all coffee shops. But what makes them different? It's the website, the customer service experience. The greens are just slightly better. It's not the idea. People always think, oh, like the idea is the thing. It's no, it's just like being slightly better than your competitors because you're still in this market where people want a product or service like coffee. Five bucks of coffee in New York City. People will literally wait online, even though there's a place down the block. You just need to be slightly better and you'll get better reviews. Obviously, yeah. it's based on what reviews. Mm-hmm. And people wait online for you. It's ridiculous. It's wild. If you're listening to this podcast, you are probably better than almost everyone on the local marketing level yeah. already. Just yeah. by understanding these global marketing tactics. Now, if you take that and bring it down to the local level, it's unfair. Yeah. I think the analogy I always use is to always be a professional football team at a high school game. Yeah. I love that analogy. And that's basically what... A lot of us are doing, Kevin, I know that's what you did in New York with bringing these very global marketing tactics, which we'll talk about soon, into the local spectrum and just cross the competition. Now, the other side is you obviously do need to get service. You can't just be a great marketer and have a crappy service. It's not going to work. But if you have the systems on the back end to deliver a good service, getting new customers isn't the problem. Let's say guys like me and you, yes, we do marketing, but we also are in the operations, at least the beginning, right? Making, Mm -hmm. hiring, uh, where I think... A lot of times, this is where I see a lot of people just want to be pure marketers, where they don't want to touch operations. They don't want to touch hiring. You could do that, but obviously, you know, it's not as lucrative and it's also not as fun. You yeah. need a lot more, but that's just a good distinction that sometimes people need to make. What type of, you know, career do you want? Like, at least for us, we wanted to do this thing. And then, you know, marketing was kind of one thing that we learned more like, oh, it's kind of cool, but yeah, the stuff is so important to grow the business. So yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Kevin, in terms of the tactics, basic stuff, and I think really it is per market. For example, I know, Kevin, you focus a lot on SEO. And SEO, I think, is king no matter where you are. If you're on Google, that's top of funnel where people are looking. Now there's the Google Guarantee, local services. You could do some places, AdWords is great. I think in big cities like you and I, probably not great unless you have a fantastic upsell funnel. Reviews are obviously king, meaning you have to have a really good service. You have to have a way to capture reviews. Kevin, I think I was recently looking at Maysailers, 500 plus Google reviews. Yeah. Who the hell is going to compete with that? We also have most number of cleaning reviews in LA and our franchisees would educate them on how to actually get more and more reviews. Because look, if you have double the reviews of the competition, who's going to compete with you? Yeah. Right. You get all the leads. They're coming in. You have a great funnel. You have a great system to keep the client. I, I get excited. You get excited because we both know the secret, yeah. which is local services. And it's yeah. fantastic like, for a lot of people who know marketing. When someone sees 500 reviews and even for me, the way I think about it, Someone thinking about starting a cleaning company is going to look at me and be like, wow, I can never compete. And then they won't start. <laughs> That's how it is. A lot of this stuff is like, you're building a moat. I'm like, oh yeah, like I know what works and I know people don't know how to get there. There's some tactics that obviously we'll talk about some here, but there's only some, you know, Neil, that we'll only tell each other in person and be like, hey, yeah, this is a tactic that works really well. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kevin, why do you think more marketers don't get into the local service game? I think it's a few things, similar to what we said before, they think that local service is no money because the local keyword is like, oh, it's a small business. Mm-hmm. Small business for people is like millions of dollars, but they sometimes equate that to like, 
oh, like I can only make a few hundred thousand. They don't realize small businesses make a lot of money in local cities. And so I think that initial thought cripples people. To like, I don't want to do that. I want to do something that's global. That's what you mean. But they don't realize that you can have a small business making millions of dollars. People think that I need to be in that area. But I think that's not true. And I think for you, you sort of proven that model. And people look up to you a lot in these like clean companies. I see all the time. Neil, how do you do it? Like, how are you traveling? Like, <laughs> yeah. like I literally see all the time. There's another guy. You probably know him. Shannon, maybe. Shannon, he's like a Long, Long Island mates guy. Okay. Yep. Yeah. He also now travels the world and runs his cleaning company. So he reaches out to me too. So I think he's also in this new mindset of, oh, I actually don't need to be here to run this thing. Yeah. The reason I set it up was out of necessity. So I kind of fast-tracked going remote because I left my corporate job in DC five, six years ago, and I booked a flight to Colombia in South America, and I just kept going for five years. So because of that, I had to quickly build the systems in a way it could be remote. There's limitations with it as well, but I think I just... It's trial by fire because they had to. Yeah. And because of that, it made the systems very efficient, right? Like our team is across six different countries, calls route to mm-hmm. South Africa. We have a team in Honduras. It's just, yeah. it's kind of a global operations team. Of course, cleaners are local. Yeah. I don't think people really think about too, or at least from my previous experiences, you really value like the sort of international workforce. Me too. Philippines, mm. Honduras, Columbus. A lot of people that I work with are like, I can never work with someone in the Philippines because they have this weird prejudice against people that are not in America, right? And at least for me, I'm like, why? Like, it's cheaper, they get the job done, they listen to your tasks, like, they don't, yeah. they don't cry <laughs> back. Like, <laughs> so yeah. we were able to sort of use these sort of external factors, like cheaper labor, for example, to grow the company even faster because we had more cash flow to invest. And like, oh shit, this is working. Let mm. me keep ramping up. I use people in the Philippines for answering our phone system. It's the same thing. Like, I don't know where you, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, sure. You three times the price if you want. Yeah. It's arguably even better. For example, a lot of our cleaners in California operations, they are Hispanic. Yeah. If they call and they speak with someone from Honduras, from El Salvador, from Mexico, that's an instant connection right there. Yeah. Right. Oh, it, yeah. It's just so much better. Something that people don't think about too, because we also look for phone service reps that are also Spanish too, because the cleaners call in Spanish. And then we're just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, this is easier. Like you can just talk. It's funny because I'm Hispanic. So cleaners will call me and talk to me in Spanish. It's like, I want to help because it's so much easier than speaking English because the language right. in Spanish, they can truly understand me. So this is like one of those things where you don't hear, you don't read about this, but when you're in the business, this is actually like a tactic. It helps cleaners get to their job faster to get to yeah. their job faster. It also it allows you to trust you more because like, oh, they speak Spanish. They truly help me and care about me. So it's like all these little things that you never read about, but in business, you kind of know. In our end for the sales team, it goes to South Africa. Now, if you think about South Africa, they have an accent. They have yeah. an accent, which sounds like a British accent. So yeah. every person who calls, Americans love accents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, where are you from? Are you Australian? Are you from, yeah. are you from Britain? Like, where are you from? And it's just, it's just so funny to hear that over and over and over. Yeah, yeah. But that's why another reason it's so unfair, Kevin, is because yeah. having a global workforce using global marketing tactics, servicing a local market, competing against local companies who don't know what they're doing. Yep. As long as you could run it efficiently, you know the system's put into place. Uh, it is an unfair competitive advantage, in my opinion. And that's part of the reason why we're saying, cool, we're going to use maybe this franchise, go after the vacation rental market, no one else is doing it. Try to find great digital marketers or people who understand funnels yep. because that's what works, right? Yep. That, that's exactly what's going to dominate. Let's talk a little bit about the Made This franchise can you talk a little bit about why you wanted to do this? Of course, you had your successful Made This and into the Made This franchise. And when did that idea sort of happen? And what are some tactics there that you're using to grow that franchise model? We did have just through Vacation Rentals, a lot of customers saying, hey, when are you going to come here? When are you going to come here? Because there's no one else who services Vacation Rentals here. So organically, there was already a lot of demand from property managers who worked with us in LA and said, 
We have operations in Nashville. Can you go there? So I knew we were leaving money on the table. At the same time, I was debating, do I want to keep opening up operations myself or continue what I'm doing, do something different? So that's where the idea came up a couple of years ago, speaking with some of the conference. They're like, hey, look into franchising. So I looked into it. And what I love about it is I could really cater who comes into the made this brand, like the actual people. Yeah. And candidly, Kevin, I'm probably only going to pick 15 to 20 yeah. people and say, hey, I'm just going to help you guys out a lot and just yeah. focus on those markets. And it's just a multiplier effect, right? You find out one tactic which works in LA or Denver, you could multiply that across the whole nation. I like having unfair competitive advantages, as I've said a bunch of times here. Part of what's unfair about the franchise model is I could take the tactics of what's working for everyone in the nation, coordinate it through us, which being the central hub, and disperse it to everyone. We could share resources. It's a cool way to expand. And I feel like, honestly, I could help people get what they want with being location independent and work remotely, like I did with the business model, servicing a local market. I could expedite what they're doing with trial and error, like you and I had to deal with at the beginning. So it felt like a great way to expand while also building a community. That was the real reason I wanted to start made this franchise. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And going on franchises, there's like tons and tons of franchises out there that you could potentially be better. Like at least for us, there's a lot of local companies like us that are better than obviously, you probably know like the Molly Maids, the Maid mm-hmm. Those are traditional franchises that people know about and they're so antiquated. They just do old school, like coming to- Free estimates. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all this crazy stuff. Let's talk about some local tactics that you've seen work well. That like mm. something that someone can deploy this week or something like that, that you've seen super helpful to just get more traffic to their website. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a step back because I think your audience is going to be pretty educated. Let's talk about customer acquisition costs because that's going to factor into anything here, right? So if you know your customer acquisition costs, I'll use that as an example. If it's between 60 to 100 to acquire a customer, then I know I need to go for recurring customers. But I know that I could spend that much and I could close 50% of sales on my phone. That converts to a recurring customer, which leads to X amount of lifetime value. As long as I know that number, then the tactic I use becomes a little bit less relevant as long as the number matches that $6,200 customer acquisition cost, because I know I could convert them to recurring. So right now, LSA, Google Local Services, I think relatively new. They're pushing it hard. So I think that's still a goldmine for a lot of cities. Bigger cities have already seen high competition in that with LA, New York, the price per click for Google local services is extremely high compared to places like Nashville or Omaha, but still, and for anyone listening, Google local services is you could type in cleaning near me and there'd be people who Google puts at the top. It says Google guaranteed. They fill out insurance forms, things like that. If you call them, that company will pay per call, usually between 20 to 40 bucks. Kevin, yours and I's would be at the higher end because you're in big cities, but if you know your numbers well, and you know that, hey, I could spend up to hundred bucks. That's about two and a half calls. And also something here so. too, just to, at least for us, that what we do, I'm not sure if you do, is we use a separate number for this that we know when it's a Google one. So we pitch different because we want to close. Mm, yeah. Do you use call rail? Yeah, something like that. So we're basically, you know, the number that we know, okay, who's calling from where. So then it's a different type of lead. So we know, okay, we know this is a 20 buck lead. We got mm. to pick this yeah. up. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just yeah. get our money back at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's just us thinking about optimization and efficiency, right? So it's like- Absolutely. Well, other people will just put their same number and be like, oh, I don't know how much. I'm like, mm. you got to think a little bit, yeah. You track where they're coming from. Exactly. Like you got to know the ROI. <clears throat> Can I get a question for you around SEO? Yeah. So back in the day, whoever was top in SEO killed it, right? Yeah. Now, if you look at Google at the top, you're going to have LSA. You're yeah. going to have Google AdWords. You're going to have the map pack. Then you have organic. So it's like fourth tier. Yeah. 
I'm curious how you think about organic SEO now, because I know that's a big driver for you. Is that still as critical or do you yeah. think that's not as critical? So for us, it's still pretty critical. I mean, we use it. We still see most of our bookings through organic traffic. We do very little of the advertising for the other stuff. Like we'll do some of the Google ones as well, but that's a mm-hmm. simple budget just so we can appear on there. I still think organic traffic works and I think people still sometimes scroll down. We still get a tons of traffic. Yeah. Um, do you mean map pack or do you mean like or- actually organic? Pack. Yeah, the map pack. I still think one of the most important things you can do is the map pack. Uh, so Google my business. Yep. Yeah. Besides like those paid ones. And then of course the map pack is sometimes related to like your organic listing. So you got to have high rankings for both. Got so, it. Yeah. So I still think the map pack is the best. I similar to what you said before earlier, where you have the stars, the Google reviews, then people just see that. And then you click a call to book now. What's the biggest driver to get you ranked top on the map pack? For me, I think it's going to be citations. People don't citations. It's kind of like having your website listed in like local directories, right? Yeah, Google My Business, those big data source hubs, right? Like Yellow Pages. So there's yep. a few websites that people are looking to local citations. There's a few websites like citationbuilders.com. EX, I think. Uh, yeah, they're expensive, but I think it's easier as you sort of grow your business because it's a single place to manage everything. At least for me, the way we think about citations is, I'm not sure you do it. We do citations like every six months to sort of refresh because okay. die out. New directories show up. And then they sort of like die out. They don't, they get de-indexed. And then we're like, okay, mm. refresh again and make sure that Google sees that we're relevant. Uh, okay, cool. This business is still around. I mean, for us, which is Google, like citation builders or local citations. Like, okay, someone's got something new. Like, yeah. Something, yeah. So we just pay them. So I think that's important. And for the map pack, I think what's important is, of course, reviews. So this is where it's like one of those things. It's more like an iffy where it's like, I think the click-through rate of your thing is important. And of course, you only get that by having high reviews and also ranking high. So the higher you rank, the more you're going to click through rate. So then you're going to stick on that first page more than other people. So it's like catch 22. You got to like somehow force yourself to the top and then do that. We've had situations, at least for some of my websites, where I forget to renew the domain and then Mm. really drop out. And then it takes like a few months just crawl, which is like a mistake that you should never do. A lot of revenue yeah. lost, right? Yeah. We just like forget and we're just like, oh, why did the website go down? So we use something like an uptime monitor to monitor every single website that we have. Mm. And we get a ping in Slack that says, hey, the website's down, the website's down. We actually recently had this where uh, the website was down for like a week and nobody noticed it. Oh, that's weird that the booking's coming in. Oh shit, the website's been down. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. We saw our rankings just dip. I look at our rank tracker like almost every single day. I'm like looking at the, I wake up looking at the rankings. I go to bed looking at the rankings. Yeah. All right. Well, everything looks good. Yeah. Kevin, I think your superpower, if that's one thing, would be around SEO. Yeah. Agree or disagree with me, but I think you're probably extremely, extremely smart with SEO, both with your current business, but even with local businesses, which again, is unfair because you are competing in SEO versus local service companies. Like, of course you're going to beat them. And I think everyone has to recognize what they are good at. Some people might not be the greatest at SEO. They're saying, hey, I'm just really good at building funnels. I'm really good at social media marketing. That's fine. There's multiple ways to make money in this business. It's not just SEO. There's no one bullet for any local services. There's so many yeah. different ways to make money. There's so many different ways. There's so many other tactics out there having great reviews, at least for me, mm-hmm. my main company, like we have great reviews. We have great rankings, great reviews on Yelp, great reviews on Google plus. We have great reviews everywhere. Anywhere you look, made sales reviews. There's a reason why, because we are really thinking about it and making sure that we're in the top of the top for almost everything. I think that's sort of like local SEO is one tactic. Of course you're saying 
the Google listings or mm -hmm. what other ones are you saying you're using right now to sort of get more traffic? Yelp was great five years ago. So we have maybe 300 reviews on there at least. Yeah. So we still do that. I don't know if I would recommend that to people starting up anymore. I heard that Apple is even released their own review platform. So after a while, there's only so many places you can ask the customer to leave you a review. I sense Yelp's going to drop off. We still get a lot of bookings from Yelp just because we have fantastic reviews on there. Honestly, I, I'm also seeing a trend away from digital. I think just so many people think it's so easy and just got into digital that now if you do regular flyering of a neighborhood, regular outreach to property managers, cold out outreach, like just things which are a little bit maybe not just inbound digital on Google. We are seeing good ROI from just that type of tactic. And again, at least with cleaning, I can speak to it's not a one-time sale typically, yeah. unless it's like a move and move out. If you get the customer, you get them on a recurring plan, you just build it up. And um, what I liked about, let's talk about reviews again. If you have double the reviews, the competition that you have a stable <laughs> business, as long as nothing happens to you, that is how you have stability in your cash flows. Guaranteed, if you have double the Google reviews, the competition, you're ranked high, you're always going to get business. If you want to sustain a sustainable business, that's how you do it. Yeah. And also too, at a certain point, at least for us, you have a lot of recurring customers that sort of, right. you know, are going to book every month and then you have a good cash flow. But I think what you're saying is so important too, at least in this cleaning industry, it's still a very personalized service. Right? Mm -hmm. Someone goes to your home. So these like realtors, agents still want to know, hey, is this a real company that actually real people working for it? Yeah. Um, and I think that's why these tactics still work because a lot of these real estate agents are, are kind of like older people, you know, they kind of like this hand-to-hand -hand sort of interaction. Mm -hmm. That's why it works too. And even for us, it was a very weird thing where you could just book online and not talk to anybody. But that yeah. was the magic of what we did, which is like frictionless. And yep. now it's kind of becoming more common. But before it was weird, like similar to the phone calls, all right, call me, but like, you can just do it online. The first time, call but then eventually they're like hey by the way you can book online like oh okay it's just easier because that's like, what they do yeah that's what it is especially now with like this whole COVID thing where everything's online and people are more comfortable putting their credit card which is crazy because we don't think about it because I'm like I put my credit card anywhere <laughs> like yeah I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm like Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people still are fearful of that and of course this is very different depending on the city you're at we're in New York City you're in like yep. LA. it's a very tech like focused city a lot of guys like us and maybe you're somewhere in middle America that's a different sort of interaction. And agreed, yeah. agreed. And I, I would argue just change your target market for who you're going after. We're going after the millennial crowd, the Airbnb homeowner who wants automation. So it does depend where you are. Yeah. Part of the funnel is we talked a lot about lead gen and getting the lead, which is great. I think what's even more important is how does the sales process look like afterwards? And then how does post sales look like after the service to retain them? So yeah. one thing we've implemented recently, still testing out the numbers, but it's looking very promising. It's called a third clean free program. So if someone's listening to us, you have the cleaning company, feel free to steal it. It's working well for us. You sign up for a bi-weekly, weekly service, your third cleaning is free. We have our first cleaning is a much more deep cleaning. Second cleaning is a heavy discounted rate, third cleaning is free. What this does is get the customer in the habit of getting a bi-weekly, weekly service. So if maybe they're thinking about monthly. They said, let me try out bi-weekly. Then they're like, oh, I got cleaning uh, every two weeks. This is fantastic. I'm just going to keep this up, right? You're just building the habit for the customers and coming up with different tactics to do that's great. So that's what we focus on now. It's so funny you're saying that because I think with cleaning, even for me, a lot of my friends are like, oh, I would never get a cleaning. I'm like, You've, have you ever booked a cleaning? It's like, life changing. I, like, <laughs> I have a weekly cleaning, by the way. Yeah. So, like, I really could not live without my cleaning. But I think what you're saying is so important. There's this weird mentality, I think. I can clean myself. I'm like, you can, but this is such a better 
thing to do and it's more professionally done. And once you're in the habit of doing it, it's at least for me, like I would do it like every two weeks. And I'm just like, oh, I kind of want every week. This thing gets dirty pretty quick. Like, I don't yeah. I love that tactic that you're doing because I think for made companies, you know, it's all about the recurring, getting mm. these stuff to cut and like with the platforms that we use or whatever you use, like a lot of the credit cards already like input. So we just quickly book them and then, yep. them. but yeah, I really like that tactic. I don't know what we do is we'll call people and I do one-time cleanings and just say, Hey, did you like it? We kind of do the traditional. Yeah. Not, yeah. not crazy of like a special offer. Maybe talk about some tactics here. This is more like AOV sort of boosters, right? Average order value boosters. Mm -hmm. uh, I think with cleaning, there's so many stuff that at least we do that increases average order value for us. Obviously there's a basic clean, but then we also mm -hmm. have cleaning. I think for maintainers, we also introduced UV cleaning, which is like another hundred bucks. We also introduce like fridge cleaning, oven cleaning. I think um, a lot of people don't realize that cleaning is a very basic package, but you can add us all the stuff. And deep cleaning for us is probably one of our biggest things that people do. And that's an extra hundred dollars on top of whatever you're doing. Yeah. Tim, so, what's your average ticket value? So for us, probably like 180, 200. Okay, that's great. Yeah, it depends. Some businesses are very different. At mm -hmm. least for us, we kind of try to force people to get a deep cleaning because they've been booked in like three or four weeks. Mm. it's probably a little bit dirtier but obviously not, not everybody does it based off the averaging value this is something i was going to do with franchise prospects and anyone who's questioning how much money you can make in the process yeah. kevin to make a million dollar business you need roughly eighty three thousand in revenue per month so eighty three thousand, and someone's booking what two times a month let's say one and a half at your average ticket value of 180 bucks you need 200 or 250 recurring customers that's it like new york has population of 15 million right it's just like you only need 200 to have a million dollar company. That's why when people say, hey, I'm worried about giving my tactics away. Who cares? You just need 200 customers. That's it. And then you have a million dollar business. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think for these sort of service businesses that are really high ticket items, it's so great because you don't need that many customers. Yes, you can sell like e-commerce. You can sell a widget for five bucks, but that's not mm. recurring. And they need hundreds of these customers to make yeah. the product. So it's just a different type of business. And yes, e-commerce is a little bit more scalable as in you can produce it in a factory and service space like us, you kind of need more employees and, mm -hmm. and your marginal costs and stuff like that. But it's just a different type of business. And I like local too. Almost all my businesses have been kind of local. My agency is a local agency kind of. And, you know, what about Airbnb stuff? Have there mm -hmm. been any tactics that you've done to just get more Airbnb clients? Or I don't know. I'm thinking about some tax that I would do. What have you done? I'm trying to think right now. What would I do? Yeah. We don't really do Airbnb cleaning. So that's a different beast, by the way. That's a different business model. It is difficult because that's quick service. You have to be open seven days a week. Sometimes they'll pop up next day. Sometimes you have to do it between 11 to three. So it is a different service. I like it because it makes us a little bit more niche. Mm -hmm. uh, it's high recurring. So there's lots of great things to it. There's also more headaches to it. So pros and cons. Tactics to get Airbnb customers. Honestly, most of our stuff comes through referrals at this point. Okay. People will find us through SEO, type in Airbnb Cleaning Los Angeles. We're going to pop up first. They're going to contact us. Our homepage is fantastic for lead capture. It focuses on their pain points. The reality is this is even more of a niche product than cleaning. There's not that many cleaning companies who specialize in vacation rental cleaning and hosts know it. So what hosts see is, hey, I need someone who's going to report damages, check if I have supplies. Mm -hmm. I don't want to train people, a normal cleaning company who doesn't have that service. How are they going to know to do this? It might cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars if I don't get the right team. We have something called a never no-show guarantee, yep. meaning the host's biggest worry is, is someone going to show up? How do you guarantee that? Give me that guarantee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we're particular with who we sign up just to make sure we can guarantee it. But we have a never no-show guarantee so we can charge a premium for it. So a lot of it is SEO-based. 
there are probably some scrappier tactics. Pre-COVID, we started a meetup group for this as well, for vacation on toast of San Francisco, of LA, things like that. Kevin, spitballing from your marketing brain, what would you do? I wonder if there's a way where you can somehow find the addresses of these Airbnb people through some like API or scrape it or something. Mm. I tried to literally go on Airbnb message host. Yeah. I got every email account banned by Airbnb. They found my mm. Facebook. They banned my Facebook. An impossible tactic could be kind of, I think you're doing that already with your meetup group, right? Where you have like a meetup of like Airbnb owners in LA, maybe mm-hmm. like that or Facebook group, right? Where basically people qualify themselves as Airbnb owners. Like, hey, let's talk about local tactics. And then you sort of say, hey, by the way, we're a cleaning company. So sponsored uh, by maybe yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. How can these people self-qualify themselves and come to you essentially? Yeah. I think outbound is fantastic as well. Uh, Canly, we haven't needed too much outbound because a lot of people who see us are like, hey, you guys specialize in this. They get it immediately, right? And there's not that many companies. But as long as you stay in front of property managers long enough, yeah. when they get mad at their cleaning company, which is going to happen at some point, they'll just say, mm-hmm. oh, Neil reached out to me. Let me go ahead and contact him. Sometimes too for office cleanings. We do a lot of office mm. cleanings here too. I'm trying to think of more tactics Maybe there's a database of homes that were just purchased. Well, I don't know. Things I haven't even touched, which is what I'm excited about for the franchise model, is if we start to get in touch with bloggers, influencers, people who are property managers across the nation, if we have a network of made this companies, yep. then I could easily say, hey, I'm just going to be the top banner ad on this Airbnb blog yep. for a singular local company that doesn't make sense because most mm-hmm. of that traffic is not going to be a local market. But all of a sudden, if there's made this franchises across all the US, yeah. I can now use those tactics, now you can maybe control things. those blogs at some point, And then it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Essentially like acquire those or blogs. I don't know. Another tactic that you could do too, is just make like an Airbnb forum or acquire a forum that's another tactic right we'll do is acquire forums that are for this niche like there's a huge uber forum right that uber just advertises on all the time so mm-hmm. so people listening people don't do this in just like let's say local markets but they do it like marketing like affiliate marketers there's like affiliate blogs that like big digital marketers acquire just so they can put their products in front for you too neil maybe go to like an airbnb group on facebook and find the admins hey like how much does it cost for me to be the admin and pay right take oh, it over oh yeah take it over there's so many scrappy ways the cool thing is it's such a niche market and there's no such thing as like a global dominant or a national dominant player for vacation rental cleaning no. so as long as you could be a little bit more scrappy take over facebook groups take over meetup groups sponsor or take over blogs like i think there's just a lot of opportunity but again you need scale because this yeah. is it's a local business individually yeah. so what about scale yeah another question I have for you is do you do anything around surge pricing or anything like that or for like airbnb cleaning i want to for simplicity purpose we don't we onboard a customer give them a set price whether that cleaning happens two days from now or five weeks from now it's still the same price i actually want to do surge pricing for regular residential cleaning Kevin, yeah. i don't know if you do that but like some people say i need to clean you today and i want to be like cool that's going to cost you 500 dollars. yeah yeah but i haven't really baked that into it yet we have same day service fee, which is like 40 to 50 bucks. So at least for us, how it works, it's in the booking form where it says, Hey, if you're booking this today, you'll mm-hmm. do it. But if someone books today, we have like a zap or Zapier or whatever Slack thing that automatically pings one of our custom service reps saying, Hey, Kevin just booked today. And they didn't add the one-time fee for the same day cleaning. You got to call them and let them know. So you guys actually allow same day bookings. Yeah, that's how wow. we are. Yeah, yeah. That is a huge growth tactic. Same day, let's say 340 here. We still allow booking until 6 p.m. You're probably making a ton of money because people are up paying. For, I don't know. We turn down someone probably every single day who wants to book for the same thing. We say, hey, it's going to cost you extra because you want it today and we need to like, uh-huh. learn the staff. And you have the staff who can yeah, do yeah. That's huge. 
it's like a oh, game. Oh, are you in the area? Are you in the area? Are you in the area? <laughs> you know how it is. Like, are you uh, in the- oh, man. Yeah. This is high level of stress. But honestly, I think you could be a, a yeah. six-figure business just from being same-day cleaners. Same-day cleaning is a big thing. I, I think for us, it's one of our biggest ways that we grow. Because going back to what I said before, people are looking for this right now. And if, if you can serve them, then you're going to get the customer. And you do a great job, you're going to get that recurring. I think it's a, one of the best tactics that people don't do because A, it's so high stress, but higher stress, higher reward for us. We get more recurring. We get more bookings. That's how we like to live. So We are not set up internally for that, but if you can set up the way, Kevin, like you did, where you are able to accommodate that, yeah. guarantee it. Yeah. I'll charge them a hundred bucks. People are going to pay this. Like it's insane for people who need a cleaning today. Like my yeah. mom's coming to town. I don't care. Just get me a cleaner. Yeah. They're going to pay whatever. This is how we always were. And yeah. it wasn't like something that we just built. It was like, we were new and we're like, shit, someone's a booking today. We got to do it. And that's how we just essentially just started and have stayed where I think most people are kind of like, oh, I can't do it today. Doing the same day at a higher scale now seems very stressful for us. We were always stressed out, even when it was one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The scrappiness is built into the yeah. culture. Before we were doing same day cleanings, but never charging more. But then as we got bigger... Mm. We saw, oh shit, we can actually charge more. And we're like, let's try it. Oh yeah, this is working. <laughs> <laughs> Way more margin. Yeah. yeah. Meaning on the same business, but we're doing it so differently. But yet there's so many things we're doing that's so similar. And I think that's so great about any business. It's really about like yourself, the tactics, the way you're doing things, Neil, because of like your background. My background is different than yours, but they're all kind of intersect. The Venn diagram overlaps, but not fully. I call us kind of the new age cleaning companies, right? You could tell if someone's a new age cleaning company based off their website, based off the tactics, based off the booking form. Old school is franchising, yeah. uh, meaning Molly Maids, You've Got Maids. These guys were built 20, 30 years ago. We could blow those guys, their tactics out of the water. And the but thing for all the new, like those companies are making so much money. It's oh insane. my God. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Like, well, These guys have 200 franchises. Uh, Molly Maitzi has like 800. I'm like, this is blowing my mind uh, based off the level of service. Uh, I look, the quality of cleaning probably is fantastic. Yeah. But the customer experience, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is not the greatest. Not the greatest, yeah. It's crazy how big these companies are. It's crazy how big cleaning is, just like this field. Yeah. Kevin, if you were going to get back into local services, what would you pick? I looked into dry cleaning before. It's too hard to mm. make work. I was kind of interested in doing laundromats at one point too, because it's local, but also it's like, you have like the one-time cost. And then there's also like the additional service of they'll do it for you. But even then it's hard to charge a lot because there's so many competitors. Local storage. I think local storage, wow. big one that people are not doing. And it's something I'm actually looking a lot into. Is that dominated by big guys already though? Public storage, all these guys. All the companies are public. Look at their uh, public uh, numbers. They make so much money. It's just storage. And that's the thing about it. It's really like a warehouse. There's no overhead besides the guy answering the door and then you just install. Again, there's like the old school ones, which is like you need a guy to open up the dark locks for you. But the new age guys, like guys like us, are mm. like, okay, I can just use an app. I can automatically unlock. I can have a camera that you can pay an extra dollar to monitor your storage. <laughs> like, yeah. You see how like there's all this like, things that you can do to optimize it. And really your upfront cost is up to the space and then building yeah. it. And other than that, it's like, it's a monthly rental. And most people kind of just leave their stuff in there forever. And like, okay, cool, you're paying. Yeah. There's a service in LA for that because LA, it'd be tough to get storage. It's very expensive to buy it in the city. So pretty much what their offer is within 24 hours, we will send someone to grab your stuff 
bring yeah. it to the stores whenever you need it in 24 hours, we'll bring it back to you for a fee. Yeah. So they're just bringing it out to somewhere with lower cost for storage. But yeah. then for the people, they don't need to see this stuff yeah, every day. They, yeah. they have an app where they, they're going to call the people who are going to grab their stuff for them and they pay a premium for that. Exactly. I would do that. That's, That's fine. I hate going to storage, but I'm just store stuff. And then storage here in New York, so for example, like right across from me, they're building a new storage place from like another one that owns one, like three blocks away. Yeah, it's expensive, the price here. But like you said, what if you get storage an hour away in upstate New York, which is cheaper? And then you say, hey, if you need the stuff, don't worry. We'll come. Truck. Yeah, we'll come yeah. here. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's even easier. And you pay a guy, what, 15 bucks an hour to drive versus like $100 a square foot here in New York City. Right. You pay like yeah. 10 square foot. Yeah. I would do local storage. And it's something I've been looking at a lot. And uh, pretty good returns. And you sort of, uh, I was listening to some podcasts about it too. Similar to like, you know, how we got in clean. I'm like, oh, you're getting right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I listen to the podcast about it. Yeah. And I'm like, I've been looking yeah. at it. Yeah. So that's what I would yeah. start. Cleaning is great. Obviously, it's just high stress. For people listening, they maybe want to join your franchise. I think it's a great model, especially if you work someone such as yourself. You know it works. And mm-hmm. you'll have to discover everything yourself, which is sometimes good. But again, you sort of want to jumpstart the business, start making money, start uh, hiring people, start making profits. So if someone wants to maybe, Neil, go contact you to sort of work with you or even maybe is interested in their franchise, where do they can go and find you? Yeah, absolutely. You'd go to Made This Franchise, M-A-I-D-T-H-I-S franchise.com. You can just also go to my website, neilparek.co on there. Contact me in any way and take a look. And look, uh, I think, Kevin, you and I, when we started at the beginning, of cleaning, we probably made so many damn mistakes, right? So many mistakes of things, which now I'm like, if someone just told me the way to do this, I would have saved two years of timeline and just time collapsing that. How much revenue is that? How much growth is that? So I, I kind of now see the value of, in my opinion, joining a system, joining someone who could tell you how to actually set things up. And I think that's the huge value of what we're bringing with Made This Franchise. And Honestly, the perfect target market is someone who knows marketing. This is a marketing game. And as long as you have the service on the back end, uh, you can make a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. And similar to what you said, I think people don't realize it's like the opportunity cost is high when you don't know what's going on because it just slows you down. Yep. Okay, Neil, thanks for coming on. That was awesome, man. Please go to madethis.com or made this franchise, Google him, and you'll find everything you need. Neil, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Evan. That was fun.